Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Bit Effect. Today, we are talking about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Bleah. And with me to stake every non-vampire enemy we possibly can is my good friend Mike. Have at you. And Craig. Hi. How are you doing? Ah, oh, man, every time. <laughs> Just pull a quote from the game, man. <laughs> Let's get the stats out of the way, gentlemen. So, Symphony of the Night was released on the PlayStation in 1997 on all, all area region thingies. Uh, it got ported to the Sega Saturn with a few updates in June of 1998. It was then re-released for the PlayStation Portable in 2007, and that was in the Dracula X Chronicles. And then in 2007 was also ported to the 360, and finally it got ported to the PlayStation 4 in 2018 in the Castlevania Collection, which is how I played it. Gentlemen, is it the same for you? Um, yes. Actually, no. <laughs> well, actually, yes. We're 45 seconds in and you've I was already just lied. Think, well, right. I was just thinking, I played the original one, but then I replayed it on the PlayStation 4, so I played both. Okay. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I, I played this in the PSP version, Cas- Castlevania Dracula X... Symphonia Collection thingy. Oh, I can't even remember the name now. That's the one. Chronicles. Mm. Alright. Uh, we are playing this on the behest of Ian, who said you guys should play this or I'll bomb your mm-hmm. house. Which so, you would. Liking my house, I decided I might as well play Symphony of the Night. So, this is going to be a little bit of a tricky one. We can't really do the whole uh, one episode about the story, one episode about the game. Because... The story, to use a blood term, is rather anemic. Um, There's not much here. So what we're going to do is, since Symphonia... Symphonia... Oh, it's not a Tales of game. Uh So Symphony of the Night is leads from Rondo of Blood. There's also a third one that's sort of attached to this game that we'll probably end up talking about. So I guess spoiler warnings for Rondo of Blood, Symphony of the Night, and Harmony of Despair if you care about any of those kind of stories. First off, Craig. Yes. You've lied before and said you've never played a Castlevania game. Yes. After an inquiry, we found out that, well, that was a lie. So what's your history with Castlevania? Um, Well, originally I had never played a Castlevania game and then Luke reminded me that I actually had played whichever 3D Castlevania game was on the Xbox 360. Lords of Shadow. Lords of Shadow, that's the one. Mm. I recall um, being very, not very impressed with it. And that was about it. That's the impression it left was meh. <laughs> but I think um, going into this, like there's a marked difference in the 2D to the 3D Castlevanias, it seems. Having only played one of each, it's there's it's a lot more than just the, the 2D, 3D difference. There's, it just felt like a completely different game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Patrick Stewart in Lords of Shadow? I can't remember. Okay, so we'll just go with standard Patrick Stewart was awesome. Call it I good. mean, I don't ever know if Patrick Stewart has been anything other than awesome. Ever. I, I don't think he has. No. Nah. Um, 
Gunk, you did play a little bit of Rondo for this, right? Yes, I did. Uh, okay. So, All right. Oh yeah. So right, carrying on my history because I hadn't finished Dave. I also played through some of Rondo, and quickly realised that I was liking this more than what I probably thought I would like it, and I was running out of time, so I dumped that and went to Symphony of the Night, which is a much easier game. Just much, <laughs> much, much easier. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Patrick Stewart? Um. A lovely lad. I like I like his head. Very like his nice hairstyle. Um and and oddly enough, every time anyone asked me about it, the first person who popped up in my, my mind was a uh, uh, Robert Carlyle from that game. I don't know. I've somehow I got him mixed up. I'm not very good at telling voices, I guess. I don't know. Well, but, the, the one know. movie I know him from, Train Spotting, uh very different voice than Gabriel from <laughs> Castlevania. <laughs> mm mm. Um but in terms of history, let me see. Let me see. So going all the way back, um, if you're prepared for a slightly longer story, I, I will be prepared to give it. But sure, uh, let's try and keep it as brief as possible. So I got a NES back in the day. I um I was a very lucky recipient of one Castlevania Two Simon uh, Simon's Quest. Um, that that is not like a traditional Castlevania, unfortunately. Uh, but at the same time, I also got Castlevania Adventure on the Game Boy, which is quite quite good. Sort of enjoyed well, it. You really um, started in the dregs of the series, though, didn't you? A little bit, a little bit. It's it's weird because the the first sort of wave of NES games that came out, I think ca- the original Castlevania was the only game that I sort of didn't get around to playing. I was playing, you know, like Mega Man, um, Mario, Duck Hunt, all all the stuff there, but. But yeah, um, so so it sort of it petered out that I, I sort of got around to Castlevania, but I, I wasn't hundred percent sure in love, uh, you know, that I loved it or anything. So uh, so I moved on generations, and over time, it's sort of like you know, every time emulators became a thing, you'd be like, oh, what's this? This crazy one, Rondo of Blood, that everyone keeps saying, oh, it never got released outside, etc., uh, etc. Et and you you know, you dip into new Castlevanias from time to time, and. Every few years, a, you know, a, a decent one was was going to come out, but um, but this one, Symphony of the Night, this was the one that uh, caught me off guard because it was it was following a lot of other other high profile games, you know, things like um, uh, Super Mario sixty four and Quake and stuff, where you get five out of five in the CVG magazine over over here in the UK, and uh, Symphony of the Night, no different, got a, a solid five out of five, and you know, I'd I'd sort of I had my I had my doubts about it because you know it was another two D game coming out in the era of three D, but but once I saw that five out of five, the, the, you know the deal was sealed, and, and I got it the first day it came out, and so did all, all my mates. Luckily, so we all all just blasted on with it. Um, so it comes as no surprise that I've probably already given away my my feelings of the game, but um, let's press on. <laughs> uh, so me kind of mirrors Mike a little bit. Uh, I when I had my NES. Uh, I, I also was a huge fan since they would show them on free air TV because they're very cheap to show. They would show a lot of the old uh, Universal Monster movies. So, you know, your Dracula, your Frankenstein, Creature Black Lagoon, all those. Ended up falling in love with those things, right? Like most kids had comic books. I had monsters. And when one of my friends was like, dude, there's this game where you fight Frankenstein. I was like, all right, I'm all over it. Got to have it. Uh, started with the first Castlevania. At, not at time of release. This was like something I picked up on a pawn shop and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, 
I don't think I ever beat it as a kid. Mike, did you ever beat any Castlevania games as a kid? I think I consulted a guide, but um, I think I did beat um, you know, Simon's Quest. Or at least I, I, I sort of went into some sort of depression on set, on set by the music that was ringing over and over <laughs> from it. <laughs> uh, Which led me to believe I'd completed it. Um, I'm not sure of the full outcome to the story there. Yeah, I want to say it wasn't until Super Castlevania 4 that I actually completed it, and that's because that one is pretty easy. Anyway, so after I played the first one, anytime I heard or saw that there was a new Castlevania game coming, it was just tons of hype. Excited about everything but the Game Boy games because I I don't like handhelds. Um, And then let's fast forward all the way to Symphony of the Night. Uh, Brand new system. I convinced my grandfather to buy it for himself because, well, baseball games look really good on the PlayStation. So after he realized there was, what, eight buttons that he had to deal with, he said, I can't do this, and gave it to me, which was my plan all along. So I go and I buy Symphony of the Night, and I play through it, and it's it's a game that I can't give away how I feel about. And then I promptly sold it, because when you don't have, you know income coming in you're like well i guess i'll just sell this and get something else and then my friend was going on about the second part of the game and he was talking about bosses that i had no idea i was like i didn't see those you making that he's like no dude play it uh so then i had to rebuy it and finally found the inverted castle and my brain the whole top of it just exploded off of it as a kid (laughs) Um, Mike, did, do you remember the moment where you're like, did you hit the inverted castle your first time? Or was that something you had to be told to go back and get? No, no, I, I, I followed some magazines at the time and, um, I basically got it and I, f- I think I, I had it finished in about two, three days of pretty, pretty solid playing. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not too long, but I really, you know, I'd, I'd explore every single thing possible and, um, what was it? I, I got through to the end. I, I beat it by basically beating beating Richter, and then I sort of thought, oh, I'll tr- I'll try it again. I, you know, I've you know I blasted through the game a second time and thought oh, there's not much changing here, but I, I know there's something something missing. Um, and then I I just read something. I don't know if it was the early, very early days of the internet or or what it was, but some something triggered it for me. And you know, the, the thing is, I'd enjoyed that half of the game so much. That I, I put it quite high on my uh, on my shelf for games, you know, thinking I'm definitely going to want to play this again. So it was already a classic without even you know knowing the uh, knowing what else was in store there. Um, Craig, yes. Um, what what is your experience with the twist this game has? Well, because we didn't tell you anything. You didn't tell me anything. I didn't read anything. I didn't read Ian's blog article. I didn't Google anything at all, and I played it, the original version, and killed Richter, and the credits rolled, and then my save reloaded, and I was like, all right then, that was a weird way to end the game, with your save reloading, and put it down, and that was about, I must have played it for about 2 hours 45, maybe 2 hours 50. Um, I then picked it up on the PlayStation 4, I've just hit the inverted castle, but I'm up at 6 hours, before I got to the inverted castle, I've explored every nook and cranny, and it's so it's so good. It's good for exploring. I love it for the exploring now. Now this is this is one of my notes, and we'll mm-hmm. get more in depth into this later. But do you guys think they leave enough clues if you're paying attention 
for the inverted castle? Yeah, when now now that I know what happens, my, on my first playthrough, I think I got either the gold ring or the silver ring. I got one of the rings, you know, with a clue, and it says something, the something clock or whatever the the clue is. And I thought I must have to put this on when I'm in the clock room. So I went to the clock room, stuck the ring on, and nothing happened. I didn't get the other ring, which is at the top of the chapel or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think. Had I thought a tiny wee bit more, I'd have nudged a tiny wee bit more. But Maria, all the way through it, she's hint- she hints at some point in a cutscene you can't escape that, you know, something's up with Richter. And she goes, oh no, and then runs off or whatever she does. Very good impression, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, this thing is overacted to fuck. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. Oh. Oh, we're going to talk about this later. All right. Um, <laughs> Before we, we crack from further into Symphony of the Night, so at the beginning of Symphony of the Night, you are playing as Richter, and a little thing pops up and says Bloodlines, and that's wrong, because it's not the end of Bloodlines, it's the end of Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood. Which I'm guessing is probably just a small translation error, They're like, oh, Blood, yeah, it's probably Bloodlines, whatever. Um, and the, tr- the nice thing this does is you have to redo the boss fight from the end of Rondo of Blood. And depending on how you do, determines your starting stats. This isn't... Um, can you lose this? You can't lose it at all. Okay. I lost it the first time and you get saved. Um, she gives you all her power. You go... You basically oh, Maria go, does, you're right. Um, the second time I did it, I never get hit at all. But I forgot to check what the difference in stats was. Which was a bit silly. Uh, There's a couple... It's not just how you fight. I looked it up earlier, and I'm sorry, I don't remember. It's not just how you fight. It's also if you hit that secret room. And Mm. there's a bunch of different factors, like how fast you do it, (laughs) do you get hit, all that kind of... It's it's easy to manipulate for speedrunners, but if you're playing normally, you probably won't have the same a la carte twice. Not that it really matters too much. But um, let's put a pin in that, because, guys, I want to talk about Rondo. Because we got to fill out this time somehow, and Rondo is a great way to do it. So, uh, Mike, hmm. uh, for longtime Castlevania fans, this was a holy grail. When did you get to play it? So, so the bit that I omitted from my my history earlier is that I had a I had a really good friend at the time, uh, Andy, who who kept going on about the SNES. And he kept going on about uh, you know Super Castlevania Four, and it you know um, I never fully. I never fully appreciated that game enough. I love the music now and things, but I didn't gel with it enough. And at, at the same time, I sort of I sort of missed my chance to own that game. Um, I'm sure I could probably still get it these days, but you know, in, instead I went to the emulation route and started playing, you know, uh, Rondo straight away from there. Um, I had I had the impression that it was more you know technically impressive game than than uh, Castlevania Four, and. I jumped into it and sort of like basically got got absolutely battered by it. I thought it was it was ridiculously hard for me at the time. I, I don't know what age I would have been, maybe about seventeen, something like that. Um, and I basically just left it for a good good long while until I finally picked it up a couple of years ago and gave it a proper run through. Um, I also did the uh, you know the three D three D version of that at the same time. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's. You know, it's got the right challenge. It's got, it's got absolutely amazing graphics. Which you know, if you'd not played that before Symphony of the Night, you'd be convinced that 
you know, the majority of those sprites for that game, for Symphony of the Night, were made for that game alone. You know, they're that, that good. There's no, you know, no real gap between how good the sprite work is between things in, in Symphony of the Night, I don't, I don't believe. But, you know, seeing that a lot of that was almost pretty much ripped directly from Rondo was uh, quite, quite special, really, you know. I, yeah, Rondo has this weird relationship where Rondo detracts some things from Symphony. Like you said, the enemy sprites, you're like, oh, that's from Rondo. But it also complements it in a different way as well. Like hmm. uh, Craig asked earlier, uh, why why are we playing Rondo? And I explained, you know, well, the first level is actually the last level, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But my point was that uh, Rondo is where the, the whole Castlevania franchise split for the first time. And Rondo is like the ultimate evolution of old school Castlevania. Okay. And then you got Symphony, which is like the best, uh, I would say the best version of the Metroidvania Castlevania games. I mean, sure, you might like Harmony of Despair, and, but I mean, it, it's a very pure Metroidvania feel to it. Do you have a preference, Mike, as to do you prefer old Castlevania or do you prefer the exploration-based? I think I think I prefer the exploration-based um, based one. So, you know, this this absolutely blew it out of the water. It's a, an absolute smash, and it, it made me think, you know, it's kind of the same trick that, you know, Resident Evil pulled with, with four. It sort of damaged the games before it in a way because it was it was that you know, that solid as a as a sort of new some somewhat of a reboot of the thing. And uh you know, in this case it, I mean, I've already said in the past I'm not a huge Super Metroid fan, but if there was an idea behind Super Metroid which was lost in translation to me, Castlevania definitely grabbed that and threw it in my face quite hard. <laughs> did it well. Um, I think the thing that you missed in translation was fun with Super Metroid. Because Castlevania has that. Super Metroid really doesn't. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Um, and Craig, you only piddled around with Rondo, yeah, but that's... what do you think from your experiences? Oh, like Mike I'm... said... On you go. Oh, God. No, I was going to say, it has a reputation for being quite difficult. Yeah. I don't... Difficulty didn't put me off as much as when I started playing Symphony of the Night. I noticed it being less difficult, but immediately it felt more open. And that, to me, is where it's at with most of the things I like to do. I like to just explore and do things. So it was very much on the Symphony of the Night, which I'm kind of worried about because I'm going to go and play Rondo. And I'm wondering whether I've now kind of cemented that into me and I'm not going to enjoy Rondo as much as I might have. Well, if you don't enjoy, like, the old Castlevania where it's here's level one, here's level two, uh, there is a heavy uh, emphasis on exploration in Rondo because each level has two splits and two different bosses. So there are different routes to take. But after Symphony, Castlevania pretty much became the, hey, let's remake Symphony of the Night again. And they did it, like, four or five times on handholds almost exclusively. Hmm. Um, the GBA and the DS. Yeah, yeah, the GBA, the DS, they're rife with Castlevania Symphony knockoffs. Kind of, I guess evolutions would be the best thing. They add way more stuff than just what Symphony has. Anyway, is it ev- so is it, Rondo. Is it, are they really like markedly different? It's not just like some sort of derivative or iteration um, of it, is it? Well, very... let's put uh, 
okay, Circle of the Moon, right? Uh, Symphony-style gameplay. So you got your double jump, your exploration, mm-hmm. your different abilities that you're using. You don't turn into different animals, but the power-up system is based on cards. And it's not like a card game. It's just, oh, I'm going to mix Earth Element with uh, Water Element. Mm-hmm. And then you mix the two, and poof, you get a whole new move set, and different things happen. Another one has you... Uh, as you kill an enemy, you collect their soul, and you can do a move from that enemy. Okay. So each one has a different tweak that makes it interesting. This is this is very that's interesting as a fact as well because the thing I know or not the thing I noticed the most, but one of the big things that struck me about playing this was the sheer amount of different gameplay mechanics that are layered on top of each other. <laughs> that's. that's- it is true. There are there are a lot of crazy crazy things in it. I mean, there's a lot of quite pixel per- perfect sort of platforming mixed with um, you know open exploration stuff like you know transformations things like that. Then you've got with the actual weapons themselves, they've got different bases of what type of weapon you might be using. Then further to that, you, if you might have a special variant of that weapon, then you go into Street Fighter style special moves and all sorts of crazy skills which can be done almost uh, by accident. To be honest, dark, dark metamorphosis. Very accidental. The first time I accidentally used, you know, like down and right, and then used my ice sword, and before you know, I had a wee charged strike. Mm. I was like, "Hang on a second, I forgot." About it. And I think Dave, you told me about it already. I was like, "I forgot about that." So I'm like trying out everything, and then you randomly hit a wall, and a wall crumbles, and you're like, "Oh my god, things crumble as well." There's hidden stuff. I'm oh, gonna have to go. the first time you hit a wall and it crumbles, <laughs> it immediately sends shockwaves of like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh no, I have to check every wall every, now." Every wall, <laughs> and because I didn't know about the inverted castle side of things, there's obvious we dead ends and nooks and crannies that don't make sense. So I thought, that's the perfect place for a crumbly wall. It's not. It's because when it flips, it's somewhere to stand on. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like up, and and this is why I'm six hours to get through the first half of the game, is I just went round and round and figured something else. And then you get the um, circlet that lets you go underwater, and you're underwater everywhere. And oh, honestly, I've just been going round um, in circles. As I'm sure you can probably get, by the way, uh, Mike and Craig were talking, one of the biggest switches for Castlevania at this point was uh, Rondo is very stiff. Like, I uh, think Ghosts and Goblins stiff if you have any kind of experience with that. You mm. hit jump, uh, hell or high water, you're jumping. It, oh. it doesn't matter. You yeah. cannot change trajectory. You can't do anything. I, I I tend to like that style a little more only because it – it lets the designers design in a very specific way of like, okay, we know you have this jump arc. Mm. Here's what we can do to make that interesting. And uh, one of the detractions I have from Symphony is it is way too easy, like boredom level easy for me. Just like in terms of movement or uh, just on the whole? Because I think the movement... No, like, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 God, no. Well, I was, I was without them detracting, uh, let's say styles of movement. Because in this, they give you mm-hmm. like what five, six different movement options. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without then, they have to design everything as kind of this open area, the where no matter what style you prefer, you can still use it. Okay. They don't really like. I think the platforming in this is really weak. Let's put uh-huh. it that way. 
I, I'm the complete opposite. I thought it was really quite strong. Like, my take on that exact thing you just said is, when you have that fixed jump trajectory and everything's designed that knowing that you jump that, to me it becomes a, well, all I need to do is stand in the right place and press jump and that's what's happening. Whereas the kind of platforming you get in Symphony of the Night, it feels more fluid and free. So, mm. yeah, you can just transform into a bat and fly up to the top of the tower but you can double jump and transform into a bat mid-air and float about a wee bit and then jump into a wolf farm. And I thought that, it feels a lot more flowing and that is what I like about it. And that bit, see, before you get a double jump and you can see all those spaces where the, you, I can't get up there and there's something up there it's and I want to isn't get it? up there. <laughs> I need to get up. So you're making mental notes and then you get the double jump and you're like, this is this is the greatest thing ever. And then before you know it, you're a bat. Exactly. I think that the biggest conundrum from this from this chat is basically that there there will never be an absolute perfect Castlevania, because if if you moved you know the the movement mechanics from Symphony of the Night to any other Castlevania game, or you know brought that difficulty level to Symphony of the Night, you'd you'd end up with absolute gold dust. On oh, a seat. I, I think some of the later handhelds got the difficulty down. Like, uh, I want to say it was Harmony of Dissonance, maybe. Maybe it was REFSR. It was one of the handheld ones that mm. while I was playing, it was like, oh, okay, this is good. The bosses are somewhat difficult. The You know, the enemies aren't one-shot wonders. That You couldn't overpower yourself unless you knew the game. It's a, so they did do work on uh, ramping up the difficulty without making it unfun. I think th- this is a freshman effort, man. I mean, this is like the first game they made in this genre. So I'm willing to give this a pass. Like, my complaints are only coming from somebody who's played every single Castlevania game up until this point. It's yeah. not even what I would call bad. It's just, oh, they changed the franchise on me. Kind of complaints. What's the, the world's take on this? If you were to hit up a forum for... You know, like, okay. what, how, how do you feel about the difference between Rondo and <laughs> well, Symphony I, of the Night? I think we can't. I don't think we can take into account the world's opinion on this because the world's opinion is that the the voice acting is absolutely atrocious. So and I'm not listening wrong. to the world. Well, I like <laughs> if I if I I totally and utterly I would have agreed with the world until about two and a bit hours in the second time you meet Maria and before I knew it I was kind of thinking this isn't serious this is I'm taking this like a parody now and see if you apply a parody story to the whole thing it's brilliant it's absolutely it's like a camp carry on vampires film oh oh yeah I mean I mean even the point where old Castlevanias man they had film sprockets down the side of the screen it's very much meant to be a B-level movie it's not a serious I didn't know that Um, I thought it was serious (laughs) no 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 no. Castlevania has always been very tongue-in-cheek okay right Um, but you have the fixed voice acting in the PS4 one oh okay you don't have Hmm. the original I played the original first though the original had yeah do you remember in the beginning I, I, I can't replay it in my head. Now, because, okay, uh, the world's opinion. 
the world's opinion pretty much comes down to what just happened here. You've got some cranky old bastards that are all, ah, oh, this is a Castlevania. They chewed mm-hmm. out death stick, teasy kids. And, and then you've got the rest of the world being like, this game is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this game is 10 out of 10. Um, so the cranky old people really need to, like, you know, move along with the world. But so the voice acting. The original had that wonderful, what is a man but a miserable pile of secrets. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. second one is changed, but still not exactly what I would call AAA acting. Now, Mike, before the internet spoke on such a subject, did you think the voice acting was bad? Not in the slightest. Oddly enough... Neither did I. It was only when you brought it up to me at one point, I think in the last couple of years, that I finally latched on and thought, hang on, so there is an issue... I mean, to me, it just, you know, it was like uh, the original Resident Evil where there's, you know, iconic lines which are, you know, somewhat a tiny bit cheesy, but not to the point where you'd say, oh, this is so bad it's good sort of uh, content like like everyone else seemed to to think it was. It's not Jill Jill Sandwich level bad. No, no. But I mean, even then, I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, you know, something to read about me that I, I didn't mind Resident Evil either. I thought, well, that was that was quite good. But well, I thought this was a huge step up from that in terms of, you know, in terms of present, you know, uh, just. And I, I'm not gonna lie, as and this will mark me as a doofus for probably most of the internet to laugh at. I thought the line, you know, what is a man but a miserable pile of secrets? And the whole same could be said of all religions. I was like, yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> world doesn't agree with me. It, it is, though. It is. Though. I mean, I think, I think we live in a world where, you know, you have to be, you have to be exceptionally intelligent to be deemed even worthy of quoting a single word from your, your mouth. Yeah, yeah, in the case of this, you know, you like... At the, at the time, what what was I? What would I have been back in nineteen ninety seven? Probably about about fourteen, something like that, I think. And I, I sort of yeah, I was around thirteen, I think. You know, and it, it was sort of like it was touching those sort of bases of you know this is the world. What what do you think of the place? And you know, questioning the powers that be and stuff. And then hearing Dracula pop up and suddenly say this stuff, you're like, you know what? That I've I've just watched an Alex Jones thing for the first time recently and a Michael Moore movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know where he's coming from. Dra- Dracula's onto something. Dracula's, Dracula's just, got a Dracula's point, man. Dracula's just as smart as Michael Moore. <laughs> and and that, that was enough for me. And the thing, you know, it did make me... I, I, I wouldn't say media ever makes me think too much, but in, in the case of Castlevania, I was like thinking, you know, that's, that's quite a smart line, to be honest. And and then just to have that, have that rug pulled on, under on me, and I was sort of like... I felt, I felt a bit... A bit damaged, to be honest, by, by my experience from years ago. I thought it was great. Playing it back this time, uh, the voice acting is bad. It sounds like they got the janitor and, and the guy, too, um, who maybe, let's say, the janitor's assistant to do the voice acting. But I don't think the writing's bad. Like, it perfectly... You know what it reminds me of now, as an adult, now that I've seen a lot more of these kind of things? It reminds me of a Hammer horror movie. Hmm. Uh, something that's not meant to be uber serious, like you know, your your John Carpenter's the thing, but it's supposed to be a fun horror-y experience. And I think that hits. You know what? It's Halloween flavored. It's not horror at all because nobody in the right mind is going to get scared from this. 
but it's just kind of spooky. And I think the voice acting hits that tone okay. Yeah, um, could, could, could I just but, um, just voice my biggest disappointment of the game straight out of the gate, though, which is that oh, I, sure. um, at the time, I felt quite smart, um, you know, um, working out that Alucard was Dracula backwards. And, and only <laughs> to have that ruined in the intro part and basically, basically tell me what I already knew, which was that he was somehow related to Dracula, was the most crushing disappointment because that could have been a good spin in the game if... I mean, ever since we played, um, what do we call that? What did we play a couple of weeks Modnar, ago? Modnar, Modnar, Infinite Destroyer. <laughs> any name, any name now that I read anywhere, I'm like, what does that? What's that backwards? Just in case, just in case. Yeah, that's. Uh, now, now, see, I, I had seen the 1940s movie, like uh, Son of Dracula, and that was the whole big thing there. It's like Alucard. What if you switch it? And then, of course, you get all these old men in black and white with shocked faces. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, I knew that going in. I never did quite get the a la carte joke as a teenager. Yeah. I'm like, what's an a la carte set? Huh, that's weird. I never really got the whole joke of that. I read something. Mm. Apparently that works better in Japanese. Because I googled it thinking, the hell is that? It works better in Japanese and it's a pun on a la carte. As in your uh, basic bog standard menu type stuff. Yeah, it doesn't quite hit as it, well. It doesn't. As it doesn't hit home at all. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, right. well, it doesn't. I'll send me lose. <laughs> yep. All right. So we've talked about a lot of stuff surrounding Symphony. Let's let's crack into it, boys. Oh, can I voice my biggest so, annoyance? Oh, just, sure. Just just because you got one in and Mike got one in. My biggest annoyance is beating a boss only to find that the sword that is behind him is shitter than the one that you've got <laughs> for every single fucking boss that you fight. It's just, that that does not, I mean, it sounds like a simple thing, but that bugs the crap out of me. Because you think... I, I think that's from the open design. Like, okay. they don't know when you're going to hit this boss. Honestly. So... <sighs> Uh, I'm, uh, I, I know you're a man who likes loot, Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not satisfying that, loot. Before before we do go straight into this, could I just quickly say that I know we've talked a little about Rondo and uh-huh. and how, how cool it is that they've moved sprites forward into the next game and you know how technically it links on to the, the very start of this one. But, but one of the really cool things I've thought about about Rondo was that if you if you were to play either Rondo first or Symphony of the Night first, when you when you play them back to back, you see things like you you know uh, pieces of scenery start to make sense, like the big beast that chases you through the castle in in Rondo oh, yeah, suddenly appears as like a yeah, appears as a dead dead thing in the prisons underneath, underneath you know in one of the map areas and things like that. They 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 pull back little just little tiny bits here and there, sort of like to uh, to cement them together and. And the first time when I hadn't played Rondo of Blood and I played Symphony, I didn't pick up on half this stuff. But there are actually, you know, quite a few little nods to, uh, you know, between the games. Yeah, it, it's a nice little balance where if you haven't played the previous game, well, that's just a cool set piece. If you have, mm. it adds a little bit more meaning to it. Even like with Maria, like if you don't play Rondo, you have no idea what's going on with Maria. But if yeah, you yeah. haven't played it, then it's fine. She's just a, a woman in there trying to kill Dracula too. Mm. Now, um, again, before we crack into this, because evidently we don't know what we're doing after like three years, mm. uh, <laughs> Craig. So 
you have no like prior excuse me prior knowledge of Richter, right? No, none at all. Apart from that opening scene, nothing. So having him as the quote unquote final boss mm-hmm. didn't raise any red flags at all. No. Apart from the fact that you were killing you're killing Dracula, Maria comes in to save so I recognise Maria and then I hadn't quite stitched what was going on. To be honest, the story is so light that when something happens in the story, you have to piece together what's happened before it because you've forgotten. Oh, yeah. Um, And trying to try to keep track of everything. So by the time I fought Rector, I was just like, ah, there, there, must, be, there must be something else going on here or whatever, but I just, I just killed him and that was it. No, when- no major flags. When my friend was telling me how crazy I was that I sold the game and didn't actually finish it, he brought up a very good point of, like, if if you do that, you don't ever fight Dracula. Yeah, you don't. That should be a giant warning sign of, like, hey, I'm not done yet. Yeah. I texted you and said, I've just finished it and it's only been two and a half hours. What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, so you do think, though, that you would have picked up on something had we not said, there's a giant spoiler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have, I would have got there. I would, And okay. to be honest, see, when I figured that out and then done it and then got the inverted castle, I, th- I didn't even click then that that was the spoiler you were talking about. I was thinking something oh, really? else. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I just thought, oh, well. This it wasn't just... the naked mode that I mentioned, was it? <laughs> 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 okay, but, um, so uh, there are some cool little story bits in there. I mean, like like wh- when you find out about Alucard's m- mother's death and stuff like that, and you know things like that. It's, some of those have stuck in my head to this day. Admittedly, oh, there's, no, oh, the there's not many the more than that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's uh, and and here's Dave's giant complaint of the game, and I guess this takes place in Ronda. Why would you name a guy Shaft? Like, there's oh, only shaft. one Shaft, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody else in the history of man has ever been named Shaft. Don't name your bald, decrepit white guy Shaft. It just doesn't work. Yeah. But, like, the scene where, you, you know, he brings back all the old uh, Castlevania 1 bosses. It's like, oh, yeah, this is just good stuff. Mm. Um, uh, I guess let, let's talk story because, again, eh, we don't know what you're doing. Uh, so, so Mike, you know, you know, there's, hmm. there's some of those weird people that are really invested in the story of Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat and all that. Um, did Castlevania ever pull you in with any kind of story it had? Uh, I wouldn't say they ever necessarily did. I knew from playing previous Castlevania games that the, the name of the Belmont seemed to be changing on occasion and that, you know, a few, a few of the characters seem to have started cropping up as being sort of more in line but i didn't know really i mean it, at this stage how how many main draculas have there even been oh there's always it's always the same dracula because i thought there was a, a point where it, it switched to another dracula <laughs> maybe i'm completely wrong there. uh that's lords of shadow uh, okay lords of shadow gabriel belmont becomes dracula hmm um, but, but I know. yeah, I, I this for some reason Castlevania lore, I, I guess, uh, always something that I absolutely loved, man. Like like finding it, you know, in Castlevania three, you meet Alucard for the first time, and then oh, hey, look, you're playing as him in Symphony. That's great, you know. Uh, following the storyline, 
like that. I mean, it didn't really ramp up until the 3D ones, and by that point, it was kind of, kind of stupid. But um, well, the reason I ask is, so do either of you guys, out of curiosity, have a urge to watch the new series? No. I have seen it all. Oh, have you? I have, I've actually watched all of uh, season one and two. And it is, as far as I'm aware, a kind of retelling of Castlevania 3, which was supposed to be a, a prequel to the first game, if I remember right. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it also features our, our main protagonist in this game. Because with my daughter, um, when I was playing Symphony, she's like, what are you playing? And I'm like, Castlevania. And she's like, oh, is that Alucard? And I'm like, yeah, how did you know that? And then she's going on and on and about. I'm like, when have you ever played a Castlevania game? She's like, oh, I watched the TV show. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to take a look at that. So, Craig, this is nothing like the what little is here. Yeah. You know what? I, I like just to give away a wee bit from the final thought side of things. This is probably one of the better games I've ever played in my entire life. Um. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And I'm sorry I didn't put my full effort into it the first time I played it and all that kind of jazz. But Well, we kind of rigged the deck against yeah, you too. Yeah. But I have I'm gonna finish it and then I have got no inclination to go back and play previous Castlevanias. Maybe Rondo because it's on the PlayStation anyway. I'm not gonna get a new one. I'm not gonna go and pick up a handheld one. I'm just gonna leave it set because the story to me is I've I've got absolutely no interest and the lore side of things or the story of the characters. I just like exploring things. Now, see, that that to me is a little baffling. Like, if I was to say this is one of the best games uh-huh. I have ever played in my entire life, no, I don't want to play any more of them. Yeah. That'd be dumb. That's that's weird to me. Uh, it's, it's it's a weird one. I'm not... I, because, well, maybe it's... I, I was looking and I don't have any... Like, I don't have any handheld systems or anything like that. I'm not... It's great, but I'm not... It's one of those ones, remember I said, of all of the genres, of all of the games that I've got to play, this is this will be fairly low down. So it's a great example of that, but it's still fairly low down in my list of the genres I want to play at all. That's, that's understandable, yeah. yeah. But it's the best example right. of that genre. Well, that's arguable, but I understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, does it rise to Shantae levels? I don't know. I don't know. Let let me tell you that I may have completed a, a Shantae the half half genie hero the other day. Yep. Um, I probably will not play that game again, even though I did enjoy it. However, um, Symphony of the Night is a game that I have played pretty much every single year since it's been released. I'm gonna guess. And uh, quite often I'll just get it out for, say, like a train trip, something like that, a long, long bus trip, and just play like the first, you know, two, three hours of, and then restart it again a couple of months later. It's just that, you know, it's it's one of those... I know it's, it's quite easy, game. but yeah, it's definitely a comfort game. And, and the thing is, we've not even started talking about, you know, stuff like the animation, the music. There's so many aspects of this game that it gets, it gets you know... That's probably the best best at doing that. You know, there's, there's no better example of a game to just, just get lost in, really. Now, see, but, that's weird, because uh, this will be my third time completing it, and I'm putting my foot down. This is my last. I will really? never play this game again. Yep. Oh, my word. Uh, not, not that it's bad. I just got too much stuff to play. 
I I will never play this again. And most times when I do, like, you know, before when I did, like, a second run through years later, it was the, oh, I'll play up and out and whatever. I don't want to do Inverted Castle. I'll just kill Richter. Kind of play through. Do you know what? See if the game ended when I killed Richter. I would have been totally satisfied. I'd have been like, that was brilliant. Do you know what? Is that a weird Brilliant thing? enough to, like, play again? Or brilliant enough to put down? Go, oh, no, brilliant really enough to put experience. down. Like, see if I hadn't known about the Inverted Castle and nobody said anything and I just killed Richter and we weren't talking about it and recording that, I'd have been like, yeah, I played Symphony Night. It was great. Absolutely loved my <laughs> three hours worth it. I, I just, you know what I mean? It's Yeah. I'm loving more of it. Now that I've discovered there's another half of a game to play, but at the same time, the first half is fairly great on its own. It's a, it's meaty enough, mm-hmm. oddly, you know that it works. All right, so we've danced around Castlevania for like an hour. Actually, I don't know. Forty-eight minutes, twenty-seven seconds, to be exact. Uh, once I cut out all the rubbish, it's going to be done like twenty-two minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll it'll be a quick. <laughs> blurb. Yep. Uh, the last thing I want to bring up that's ancillary to all this is, Mike, I think we've played it together, but Craig, if I was, if we were in an elevator and none yes. of us farted, uh-huh. so it was an enjoyable ride, and I was like, hey, what would you think about four-player Castlevania Symphony of the Night, where you all start off in your own little corner of the castle, but meet up for a boss, and you cooperate on the boss? What would you think of that idea? So you explore your own wee area, or you can explore. Everyone can explore, explore the whole whole castle yep. together. Or Let's apart. cut it. Yes, and know. you meet up for one giant boss in the middle of the map, and you all tackle the boss. That wouldn't be too bad. Um, because that's what Harmony of Despair is. A game that I think really doesn't get enough credit. Like it's it's. However, ooh, however, there are, there are caveats to add to this. A, the music starts off good, but you sort of tire of it a little. B, you will be playing with a American person who has already unlocked absolutely everything and will make <laughs> you feel inferior for the majority of your time while he runs around with all sorts of unknown characters from the Castlevania universe before you eventually turn it off thinking, well, this guy's already done this and he's just laughing at me. And then you never go back to it. But that's just... This sounds like uh, playing yeah. Diablo with you guys when I first got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, every character, well, every main character, the notable ones from Castlevania's past, and even a weird Famigom game that is sort of in the Castlevania universe, sort of not, you get to play as them as a main character. So there's like a bunch of stuff to unlock. The only caveat I, I, I would have is it's only, what, like, 12 stages long with all the DLC? Like, it's a very short experience. Mm. But, um, but it's, imp- it's impressive. It looks cool. And, uh, oh, yeah, and it is me. very cool. Because, um, like, Craig, you won't understand this because you've never played it, but you can zoom out at any given time and go, okay, he's in the upper right. I can see what he's doing. So you can see what the other characters are doing, even if you're not playing in the same proximity. Oh yeah, I can understand how you think I wouldn't get that fairly difficult concept. I'm saying you Thanks. wouldn't know that's a thing <laughs> because you prefer crappy point-and-click games like Monkey Island 2. <sighs> there, shots have been fired. 
God damn it. Oof. And I was trying my best when I messaged you. In fact, we were recording and I said, do you think the Castlevania music's good? Because, you know, eh. I'm inside. I'm like, it's absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> and outside, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. is he taking the bait? Is he taking the bait? Mike, th- this man tried to mm-hmm. put, put posit a theory that Castlevania music might not be as good as Monkey Island 2 music. I still don't what? think I think I think Monkey Island 2's got a better soundtrack. <laughs> I think I think Monkey Island music is great, but I, I definitely think this is in another league. Especially in the case of It's in another Night. league, it's just the league below. <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, Symphony of the Night is oh, on top he's... of a building. It spits. A couple seconds later it hits Monkey Island. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the soundtrack then. That's, that's a good way to go into it. So uh, this is early PlayStation, so it's not all completely orchestrated. I would love to hear an orchestrated version of this soundtrack. Uh, the only, I believe, real-life instrument used was the guitar in the Underground Passage theme, that kind of Spanish guitar-sounding track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything what else about, is... Is the Tragic Prince, uh, That is that just the completely digital? Yeah. Um... It's quite, it's quite a big, big guitar solo, isn't it? That's kind of uh, a. Well, okay. I mean, anything guitar is real, I, and the only mm. one I could think of right now was Underground Passage, where it okay. truly shines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything else was um, on a synthesizer that I looked it up and I read about it, but I can't name it at all. Nice one. So, yeah, good thing <laughs> I did all that research, guys. <laughs> um. For me, Symphony of the Night is a soundtrack where I will pull like three or four songs from, and I've been listening to them ever since I got the game. Like, they've always been either on a <clears throat> mixtape, oh boy, uh, a burnt CD, or, or an MP3 player, and they're always just part of my music scene. Oh, yeah. I I, I was sat in the car the other day, and I found um, a, a, a CD... A legitimate CD, of course, which had scribbled on it, Mix 2015. And after a couple of, of more more popular songs, I found, I found, a, I think it was a Last of Us track and a couple of Symphony of the Night tracks just, just stuck there in the middle of just genuine album, you know, general, general release songs. And I thought, yeah, I thought, I don't know what's happening here. And Everybody Wants to Rule the World, followed by a, a track of... Oh, oh, that's that's an amazing right. track list right there. Because as we all know, <laughs> oh no, no, everybody wants to roll. <laughs> no, nah, just don't start, don't start. We won't go there. We won't don't go there. shout about that. Oh, boo, sir! Oh, there's infinite consequences to this. But um, so this is your first time hearing any of these tracks, Craig. Yeah. What's your takeaway from this? Because we both absolutely adore it. I mean, the music's good. I'm terrible with music in general. Like you could say name the the place and I couldn't tell you what track was playing but it's very good music it feels good when you're playing it and even tiny tiny wee things even like the cuts see when you go into a corridor and the music just hard cuts and then it starts playing from the other side of the corridor it just adds layers and layers of loveliness to the game there was and this is this is this is the level I describe these things at. But there was somewhere up, it's like Orlox's place or something. There's like a rocky track. Oh, Orlox! Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and I'm just sitting going, this is actually a really fantastic soundtrack and a song. And stood listening to it 
and then moved on. So I would get to the end of an area after that and stand at the door to leave the area listening to the song for a wee while. But my head isn't wired up to remember the songs. I would listen to them. I would put them on Spotify and listen to it. But I can't, for the life of me, recall what one's what. Maybe after a few years of playing mm-hmm. it every no, single year. No, that's perfectly fine. Um, this was one of the... When I had uh, friends, you know, my car, you know, when I had mixtape 2015, and I would pop in the CD and... It, it, see, this is where, where my brain isn't very wired, I guess. Um, I can't tell that much of a difference between electronica and video game music. But I know plenty of people that will point and go, oh, that's video game music. To me, my brain just kind of filters into, yes, I like it. No, I don't. Does mm. this sound very video gamey to you guys? Because this was like one of the first ones where I was like, oh, that sounds like actual music. If you listen to things like the, uh, you know, like the sort of choir sounding piece just, just at the start when you when you're selecting save game files and things like that, there's there's loads of music there which is sort of like, you know, precursor to stuff like, um, well, Persona's iconic little, you know, eagle room sort of music and th- things like that. There's there's loads of there's loads of really cool music just just floating about in the game. And and you know that underground passage one you said before, I was listening to that the other day, and for a second I got confused thinking, is this part of the is this part of the Kill Bill soundtrack or something? Or because I just had, <laughs> You know, I'd had a mix of stuff on, and it, you know, it's it's hard to place some of them. But but the the breadth of the soundtrack is is pretty crazy. I mean, you you start off with all that sort of choir sounding stuff. You get quite sort of moody, dramatic intro music. You get sort of quite jazzy sort of stuff coming into the game, and, and then you hit the library and you get that waltz, and you're like, where did yeah. this come from? You get a bit of, bit, of, bit of progressive rock on on ascending the castle. You'll get you know, some of the weirdest, darkest sounding noises in the very bottom of the map. Um, everywhere seems to have its own. I mean, this this is the thing I'm going to struggle with on, on Craig saying that now. That every every unique area seems to have its own theme, which pretty much ninety percent of the time hits hits the mark easily. And you know, you think there's there's nothing else you'd want there apart from this song. So it's sort of I don't know. Uh, yeah, Konami really flexed it on the genres that it hits too. It's one of the the strongest points of the game I found is the look of a room, the sound of the room. For the most part, some of the enemy types of in the room all knit together really well, and it just makes each wee room that you're in a kind of mini wee experience to me and it's it just it's just ace and yeah and and then you find out oh it's all part of one castle it's like ah that is that is cool um music wise mike uh since craig you didn't play it on the psx back in the day did you put the cd in a cd player oh yeah, yeah of course i did of course i did um, oh, i cannot remember 100 percent. it was something like this this compact disc is not meant to be used. It's got yeah, the, it, the voice of Dracula. It, <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is a PlayStation Black disc. <laughs> and it says something like, you shouldn't play this in a CD player. And then at the end, it's the voice actor's like, but you probably won't listen to me anyway. And then a <laughs> secret song plays that isn't in the game. It's a very cool oh, little touch. Yeah, that, uh, everything about the uh, the packaging for this game was was brilliant. In in the in the European version, we got a, a like a double 
double case thing with beautiful artwork on the front. It had the, the game disc inside, a, a meaty looking art book. Then a, I think it was a separate manual to that. And, and finally, a like a, a, a blue disc with the moon on it, I think, which was the um, soundtrack CD for it. So it was, Honestly, it was quite... I don't remember the first time I bought it, but the second time I bought it was Greatest Hits. So it was just disc, manual, mm, good. That sounds really but nice. You, you didn't have any confusion. So I don't know how people could have ended up putting the, um, the game disc in because they already had a you know a soundtrack to go with it. But oh well. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> it. Yeah, well, here, I mean, like, um, I want to say one of the early PlayStation games that I played, I was like, huh, I wonder what happens if you put it in CD player. I was probably expecting it to blow up or something. But uh, I was like, oh, there's extra mm-hmm. song. Like, uh, more than just Symphony did that with PS1 discs. It was a nice little Easter egg. All right, guys, we've burned an hour mm-hmm. on talking about everything but the actual gameplay. Yeah, um, which is funny because so, this uh, is the opposite. This has been the spoiler-filled episode, which is backwards from the way we normally record. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, so now that we have done that, we are going to take a quick break, and we will see you next week when we talk about the actual gameplay itself as opposed to all the ephemera around it. That's also when we're going to read uh, Ian's thoughts on it, but what we're going to do is, since he wrote a article on this, we're going to pop the link in the show notes or wherever we can on Fireside. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It, the website will be below It'll be the episode, so check that out because he's got a couple mm-hmm. interesting things to say. Not all no, of them, just a couple. Keep that in mind. <laughs> and, uh, well... We'll see you next week. Say goodnight, gentlemen. Goodnight, gentlemen. Goodnight, gentlemen.